From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. November 13, 2016 edition of WIA National News. I'm Graham VK4BB. And an item I heard on commercial radio news this week made my ears prick up, as no doubt many a pilot's ears did. False radio calls on the aircraft band in the Melbourne flight area. I asked WIA's Jim Linton for more, and he's told us that no less than 15 hoax radio calls on AM aeronautical channels have been made at Tullamarine Airport, Melbourne, and Avalon Airport near Geelong. Now here's what's happened. A man pretends to be in a control tower and orders three jets to abort their landing. Impersonation of a light aircraft with engine trouble putting out a mayday call. This story has attracted wide media attention across newspapers, television and internet news sites. Melbourne's Age and Sydney Morning Herald newspapers ran a story headed Lone Wolf Hoaxer and unfortunately included a comment that rudimentary amateur radio VHF radio equipment could be used in such a hoax. Some radio amateurs emailed the WIA with their concerns. Some expressed the view that individual radio amateurs should write in to set the record straight and that the WIA should make a strong statement to the offending publications. However, the WIA strongly advises caution about individuals making complaints. In situations like these, misunderstanding is easily compounded and may make matters worse by reinvigorating the original story from another angle. It's common for the media to focus on the issue of the moment in a way that sensationalises matters which could easily be in our detriment. The WIA is prepared for the story to arise again, has developed a considered response to the media to counteract any negative references to amateur radio. Speaking of the WIA, let's have a look at WIA board talk and licence processing delay. The WIA office has been advised by ACMA Licensing that the processing times for applications for new amateur licences or variations to existing licences is around four weeks. Applications will be processed on a first-in-time basis. These delays are unavoidable and the WIA will keep radio amateurs informed of any time changes. Now, Currently, the WIA exam service turnaround time is approximately one week after the receipt in the Office of Exam Packs. For those that are running amateur radio training courses and exams where the candidate may be seeking a licence for the the end-of-the-year holiday period, completed exams and applications will need to be lodged ASAP. This is Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, from the WIA Spectrum Strategy Committee, with another chapter on the WIA's licence conditions submission to the ACMA. Last week, I covered the issue of high power. This week is also about power, in relation to the three licence grades. But first, let me complete the subject of high power. It seems that some amateurs have remaining concerns about why the issue of high power wasn't revisited the next year after the ACMA made its decision in August 2013 to raise the permitted power for advanced licensees. At that meeting, the WIA asked if the issue could be revisited in 2014 and received a positive response. As it happened, a new Minister for Communications was appointed in September 2013, one Malcolm Turnbull MP. In 2014, he announced the Spectrum Reform Program, a wide-ranging overhaul of spectrum management and licensing. So it was back to TORS. But a little before that tectonic shift, the Institute was invited by the ACMA to outline what radio amateurs might like to see in a revised licence conditions determination. 
the LCD. Given a short deadline, the WIA made a detailed submission in 2014, as you know. That submission included, in the log of claims, the use of high power for advanced licensees. However, the amateur LCD was to sunset in 2015, and the ACMA decided to proceed with minor amendments to it, as it did not have the resources or time to complete a comprehensive review to proceed with all the necessary consultation processes. And here we are today. The spectrum reform process launched by Malcolm Turnbull is continuing under the stewardship of a new Minister for Communications, Senator Mitch Fifield, with the Department of Communications and the ACMA beavering away in the background to produce a new and different Radio Communications Act and attendant regulations. In that context, the WIA is continuing to advocate for improved future licensing conditions for Australia's amateur radio community and prospective amateurs to come. It's all about the future. Now, back to the matter at hand. Permitted powers for foundation and standard licensees. A decade's experience with the current permitted power of 10 watts peak for the foundation licence demonstrates that it is at a distinct disadvantage in today's urban RF noise environment on the HF and VHF bands. Foundation station signals often struggle to rise above the prevailing RF noise levels experienced both in Australia and by amateurs in other countries. Competing with urban noise levels is exacerbated in mobile situations as vehicle antennas naturally exhibit low efficiency. It is no wonder that activities like Summits on the Air, SOTA and other portable operations in the great outdoors have become popular where operators can get away from high urban RF noise levels. The problem then becomes working home stations that suffer from high urban RF noise levels, whether in Australia or other countries. There are many times when 10 watts struggles to be heard or does not make it at all. Because of this situation, and I won't go into the many and complex reasons why urban RF noise levels are as they are, the WIA is advocating that foundation licensees get to use 50 watts. This wasn't arrived at by a method of pick a number. Initially, the WIA proposed 25 watts. In decibel terms, this is an increase of only 4 dB, whereas 50 watts is an increase of 7 dB, a more practical advantage. There would still be times when signal-to-noise ratios are poor, but that 7 dB increase improves the chances of being heard. At the same time, the ACMA's concerns about electromagnetic emissions risk has to be addressed. The WIA argues that 50 watts does not create any particular safety issues regarding management of electromagnetic emissions. Indeed, evidence of the experience of entry-level licensee operations that permit such powers in other countries tends to support this. Now we come to permitted powers for the standard licence. Here too, the WIA is advocating for an increase from the current 100 watts to 200 watts. When the amateur licensing system was reformed all those years ago, the regulator had to accommodate the old novice licence, at that time the entry-level licence. The old novice licence permitted 100 watts maximum peak power, so this was just copied across to the new standard licence. The WIA argues that 200 watts affords standard licensees the opportunity to explore and experiment with RF technologies and on-air operations, 
in context with the urban RF noise environment on the HF and VHF bands now being experienced both within Australia and across the world, that is, being heard both locally and in other countries. In decibel terms, it's only 3 dB above the current permitted power. However, it's not only about being heard in a noisy environment, but also about learning about and using the RF technologies involved. After all, self-training is one of the foundations underpinning the definition of amateur radio. As expected, standard licensees need to be mindful of the circumstances where, at this power level, electromagnetic emissions are a risk. The WIA already provides continuing education and support tools for operators to check and meet their regulatory obligations. And it has done so for some years, since the high power trial. To sum up, the WIA advocates three maximum permitted power levels of 50 watts for foundation operators, 200 watts for standards and more than 400 watts for advanced licensees by application. Advocacy Education, support, that's what we do. This has been Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Roger will rejoin us a little later in WIA on the National News Service and the WIA Symposium on the STEM or Science, Technology, Engineering, Mathematics program will be taking place in Canberra at the Canberra Region Amateur Radio Club. The WIA Symposium is to look at how a few radio amateurs can impart their knowledge and skills through the STEM program and help teachers inspire a greater thirst or awareness. STEM will seek to identify a few realistic outcome projects and those to manage them. Those attending the invitation-only event on November 19 will receive more details next week via email, but to allow for catering, please make a booking by contacting the WIA office. Hello, this is Phil Waite, VK2ASD President of the WIA. The WIA directors have been working on a charter for volunteers so that volunteers can know what to expect of the WIA and the WIA can know what to expect of its many volunteers. The WIA supports the principles of Volunteer Australia's publications, National Standards for Volunteer Involvement and the model Code of Practice for Organisations Involving Volunteer Staff. This charter for volunteers draws on these publications. As far as I'm aware, this is the first document of its type that the WIA has ever produced. This new initiative has gone to our committees for their thoughts and feedback. We would like to commence the charter in January, so time is very short, and I have asked the committee members receiving the draft to give their thoughts and suggestions by Monday the 21st of November. The task for next year is to publish the volunteer charter and over time review the WIA's committee structure. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD for the WIA. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison with a few things for you to think on. Membership is important at this time as the WIA continues discussions with the ACMA over licence conditions and spectrum access, not to mention the amateur services community role and standing with the coming of the new Radio Communications Act. Why is membership important? Because we are all in this together. What the Spectrum Strategy Committee succeeds in achieving will benefit all radio amateurs, including, and especially, those not yet licensed. It's about the future. 
One thing that has become very noticeable since restructuring the National Office operations last year is that many amateurs who were once licensed decades ago are returning to the hobby. They've been calling the National Office and inquiring how to get their license back and a new call sign. So, think about this. There are many situations where you know or discover a colleague or acquaintance who once held a call sign. They may well be amenable to being encouraged to return to amateur radio. If each of us who have been in the hobby for some time took the opportunity, wherever it arose, to encourage a lapsed amateur to return to the hobby, the number of licensees would noticeably increase, and so would the number of those active on the air. Activity begets activity. The world of amateur radio today is so much more diverse and laden with fascinating fields to explore that were never available even a dozen years ago, let alone 20 or more years back. This is the project I introduced back in the first week of January. I called it Bring Them Back. There are many situations where individuals have let their interest in amateur radio lie dormant. Bring them back to the hobby and encourage them to join the WIA. Tell them that the Institute is about advocacy, education and support. That's what we do. It's not the WIA of yesteryear that they knew. Look out for the opportunities to bring them back. You'll be doing something positive for the hobby. This has been WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK 2ZRH for VK1 WIA News. And here's something else we can all be in together. The WIA Annual General Meeting Weekend is in historic Handor, South Australia, from Friday, May 19 to Sunday, 21. The theme for this event and associated activities is Inspiring Leadership, the Future of Amateur Radio. The event starts Friday night with an optional restaurant gathering, AGM Saturday along with the open forum and followed by technical presentations and during this time there's a partner tour and all will come together again for the traditional gala WIA dinner on Saturday night. Adelaide Radio Clubs have been busy organising the weekend and when final touches are put on the program, the WIA will open bookings. The available accommodation, transport and the many tourist attractions are already on the wia.org.au website. Another event on the horizon... And this time, unlike the mighty Emden bearing down on the Sydney, it's all roses. Hello, this is Tim, VKE3TJC, from the Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club, reminding you that there is only one week to go to the Rosebud Radio Fest to be held on Sunday the 20th of November. Yes, Sunday the 20th of November is when the Rosebud Radio Fest is on at the Eastbourne Primary School Lambie Avenue, Rosebud. For more details, Google Spark Radio Fest 2016. If you have pre-loved equipment to sell, tables are still available at $10 and can be booked online at www.rosebudradiofest.com. But be quick, as there is only a few left. The technical forums being held this year have wide appeal as per previous years, and are very educational for all amateurs. The event has full catering, there is plenty of off-street parking, great door prizes, and the entry fee is only $6 with under-12s free. Outdoor displays will be open from 8am, and the new used equipment sale area in the main auditorium will be open from 9.30am until 1.30pm. If you need help to find the venue, a talk in 
will be conducted on VK3 RSP 146.675 MHz and VK3 RPU 439.850 MHz. Don't miss the fastest growing radio fest and enjoy the tourist sights of the Mornington Peninsula with your family. See you in Rosebud on Sunday the 20th of November, 7-3 from the Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club. Tim, VK3TJC. With international news, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Two men in Georgia have been charged with plotting an attack on the high-frequency active auroral research project in Alaska, a facility of great interest to the amateur community. Authorities say an arsenal of weapons was also recovered that police believe were to be used in the planned attack. The plot was discovered during an investigation of reports that one of the suspects was engaged in selling drugs. Marmy and Grimes, a representative of the University of Alaska at Fairbanks, told the Alaska Dispatch that the research facility has faced threats before and was grateful Georgia authorities were alert. International Telecommunications Union Radio Regulations The radio regulations are now available as a free download via the ITU website. The document contains all decisions made at the World Radio Communication Conferences from 1995 to 2015. The seminal material that results in domestic regulations for all radio services is in English and in five other languages. International Day of Persons with Disabilities. This takes place on Saturday, December 3rd, 2016, and over in IARU Region 1, their member societies are asked to celebrate this day like in previous years. The International Programme for Handicapped Radio Amateurs, IPHA, recommends that member societies observe the day to promote amateur radio among disabled persons. And if you're planning any event or media releases for the day, please contact RIRI, Oscar Delta 5 Romeo India, the IPHA coordinator, on email ririazrak at gmail.com. Modern Day Radar Interference New, long-range, over-the-horizon OTH radars are expected to begin next year in the Russian Arctic. These devices track movements at sea and in the air, but also intrude to cause harmful interference to other radio users on their allocated band of frequencies. The IARU monitoring service has observed the frequency-hopping nature of the technology. It is used in Russia, China, Cyprus, Iran and Turkey, covering wide sections of spectrum and is commonplace in the amateur radio bands. A media report says that six new radar installations will operate in the Russian Arctic soon. Wireless Institute of Australia Monitoring System Coordinator Peter Young, VK3 Mike Victor, issues a monthly report that aims to keep the amateur service bands clear. Intrusions have been logged for some time and are constantly reported to the Australian Communications and Media Authority. Intruder watches are ready for the expected arrival of the new over-the-horizon radars. Meantime, the WIA reports existing observations of radar-type intrusions, particularly on the 20-metre and 15-metre bands. In other observations, the 40-metre band has daily music transmissions, voice and suspected military-coded signals. It's important to keep reporting these types of intrusions so the offending administration cannot claim they are not causing interference as no reports are received. These are being received by John Kirk, VK4 Tango Juliet, mostly at Strength 9, and other VK stations need to also file their monthly reports to give more ammunition for the IARU to complain to authorities. 
More information and reporting forms can be found on wia.org.au, our website, the WIA website, or send an email to intruders at wia.org.au. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. We dive headfirst now into operational news, commemorating the RAND's first battle. The commemorative call sign VI4SEA has had a great deal of success. This event call sign marked the first naval action of the Royal Australian Navy with HMAS Sydney in battle with the German SMS Emden in the Indian Ocean during World War I. It ran for nine days, ending last Wednesday, with an active team who made more than 725 contacts and had three SWL reports of low-band CW signals. Among the crew operating was Roger Croft, VK4YB, who operated on 630 metres and 2,200 metres, achieving a repeat of his world record for whisper transmission to Canada. A full VI4SEA operational report is expected later, but it respectively commemorated an important part of naval history. Move on from the war to end all wars to another Sydney encounter when amateurs remember the loss of HMAS Sydney during the Second World War. The sinking of Sydney in 1941 is the largest loss of life in the Royal Australian Naval history, with 645 sailors perishing. November 19, 1941, HMAS Sydney and the German auxiliary cruiser Camoran battled off Dirk Hartog Island in West Australia. A badly damaged Emden was beached at North Keeling Island in the Indian Ocean and broke up. The wreckage of Sydney was not found on the ocean floor until 2008. To mark the 75th anniversary of its sinking, the St George Amateur Radio Society of Sydney has been given commemorative call sign VI2SYD75. Listen for it on air until the end of December. Now from the shallows to the heights, and this weekend, 11 to 14, it's the Keith Roche Memorial National Parks Award activation with Victoria National Parks on the air. All of the 45 national parks in Victoria are being visited by portable amateur radio this weekend, with lots of activity already occurring on Friday and Saturday. Yes, the annual Keith Roger Memorial National Parks Award activity period is underway, with more than two dozen radio amateurs involved. You may have heard them on the air, made a supporting contact or two, or even qualified for an award, while the activity continues through Sunday and Monday. Full award information is at www.amateurradio.com.au Mills on Air event has first Australian mill. The amateur radio activation of Anderson's Mill in Smeaton in central Victoria in May has gone through its approval and logistics stages, with a clear go-ahead given to all to the project. The five-storey bluestone flower and oat mill, part of the 19th century Goldfield region, is on a creek that helped drive its iron water wheel. The National Trust will have its first Anderson's Mill Heritage Weekend in 2017 and Amateur Radio is part of the festivities. Anderson's Mill is managed by Parks Victoria with the free public events supported by the Hepburn Shire Council and many others. The Mills on Air event run by the Denby Dale Radio Club through the Society for the Prohibition of Ancient Buildings has had only European mills up to now, but that is about to change. The Central Goldfields Group VK3BI will be active from the Anderson's Mill on May 13-15 to 15, using 80 metres, 40 metres, 20 metres, 15 metres, 10 metres and VHF, IRLP and UHF Echo Link. Behind this ambitious project are locals Alan and Cheryl Just and Peter Rafferty VK3CC. 
Now they invite more Mills throughout Australia to join them on the air in May. It is an ideal club or individual project to activate many of the mills throughout Australia. There is plenty of scope with old mills once used for sugar, wool, cotton, flour and timber. Is there one near you? The challenge is to join mills on the air event in May 2017. The World War II bombing of Darwin to be commemorated. The war horror reached our shores when the northern city of Darwin was bombed by the enemy, sinking many ships and destroying port facilities, setting back involvement in that global conflict. While the Defence Forces recovered from that bombing, news of it was kept quiet from the rest of Australia for morale purposes, and a real feeling it may be the start of a major invasion from the north. In February 1942, mainland Australia came under attack when Japanese forces mounted two air raids on Darwin, which were planned and led by the commander responsible for the attack on Pearl Harbour just ten weeks earlier. Now on the 75th anniversary, the Darwin Amateur Radio Clubs will commemorate the event with the call sign VI8BOD. Further details of the commemoration will be provided closer to anniversary. The largest coin, the 50 cent with the kangaroo, emu and crest. It's worth five shillings. Anniversary of decimal currency is celebrated. Australia was one of the last countries to have decimal currency, and that was 50 years ago. Income. To celebrate this milestone, the South Pacific Radio Club has been issued the VI50 DC callsign until the end of the year. To kickstart decimal currency to the tune of Click Go the Shares, we had an animated character called Dollar Bill. Let's have a listen to his jingle. Change over day is closer than you think. Learn the value of the coins and the way that they appear. And things will be much smoother when the decimal point is here. Now listen for VI50DC on the air till the end of December, marking the anniversary. QSL manager is M0OXO. When the coins begin to mix on the 14th of February 1966. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Inningham. Media watching we go in WIA and the National News and pre-sales of History Book begin. The WIA Bookshop is now taking orders for the Wireless Men and Women at War. This publication details the history of wireless communications before World War I and in later years and conflicts. WIA historian Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV, has fully researched the content. Together with numerous additional contributors, the WIA board fully supports this timely record of history as a must-read volume. The WIA Publications Committee is proud to make it available and to secure your limited edition, visit the WIA website. Be sure to let others know of its availability. Also available is the WIA Callbook 2017 for order. The contents include the name, address and call sign of all Australian radio amateurs, club contact details, repeater beacon lists, current band plants. You know the drill, this has been published for many a year and it's about time you updated and ordered the 2017 edition. Postage has been reduced this year due to the absence of a CD. However, those purchasing the callbook from the WIA online bookshop will have the option of downloading an electronic copy as well as receiving the printed version. Brian, VK3GR, joins us in a minute with a look at Worldwide Special Interest Group news, but this in from Ed, Delta Delta 5, Lima Popper. North American and European Summits on the Air, Superactivation, November the 19th. As announced in last week's VK1WIA broadcast, following the very successful Australia to Europe Summit to Summit event in October, one between Europe and North America is now to take place. From 1400 to 1700 UTC, on Saturday the 19th of November 2016. 
At the time of writing, just under two weeks before the event, 26 stations located in Europe, North America and even one in Africa have indicated that they intend to participate. Many activators can only confirm the day before and others don't post alerts at all, so the final number of summits is likely to be even higher. The aim of the event is to get as many summit-to-summit S2S contacts as possible. The summit contacts can be between North America and Europe or within the regions themselves. Home-based chasers will also be contacting the summit activators to gain points in the SOTA award scheme. There's talk now of an Australia to North America summit-to-summit event that would then complete the circle around the world by summits on the air. To find out more about Summits on the Air award scheme, please look up sota.org.uk on the web. For VK1WIA News, this is Ed Durant, DD5LP, VK2JI. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Thanks, Ed. Now some more Intruder Watch news. We've heard today quite a bit on interference, both malicious and unintended. Now word from Ireland. Irish Tackling Radio Interference and the Commission for Communication Regulation, Comreg, reports that harmful disruption to radio services, including mobile phone networks, has risen by almost 25% in the 12 months leading to June. It investigated 131 reports, including four incidents that could pose an imminent threat to safety of life by involving the emergency services, and others similar to Melbourne's air traffic control incident. Comreg, in its annual statement, vowed to intensify enforcement operations targeting unlicensed broadcasters and unlawful spectrum usage. Now, Worldwide Special Interest Groups, Females in Radio. The Australian Ladies Amateur Radio Association, Inc., it's Alara, wish to invite you, whether YL or XYL, OM or XOM, to attend Alara Meet 2017, being held in Cairns, Far North Queensland, from Friday the 8th to Monday the 11th of September next year, 2017. Gavin, VK4ZZ, writing in the Townsville Amateur Radio Club's Yellow Newsletter, says that the main venue for Alara Meet 2017 will be the Cairns Colonial Club Resort, with facilities including sumptuous accommodation geared to keeping you comfortable in the tropics, excellent meals, comprehensive conference and sporting facilities at very reasonable prices for Alara attendees. There's lots in store for those who attend, with plenty of variety in touristy, crafty and radio activities planned. The 10-minute shuttle bus ride to the Cairns CBD full of exotic shopping opportunities and the famous Cairns night markets will be popular, to be sure. A planned excursion to explore the Atherton Tablelands with attractions such as Pioneer Museums, coffee plantations where you can watch your coffee being freshly ground and blended, plus the majestic vistas of the World Heritage Wet Tropics area and the tallest mountain in Queensland will be a must. There will be further details on the Alara website plus the Alara Meet 2017 web and Facebook page as they come to hand. Meantime, visit www.alara.org.au or www.facebook.com slash alarameet2017. Of course, book your accommodation now at the Cairns Colonial Club Resort. You can phone them or fax them or visit their website. Those links are in the text edition. Now, special interest groups, Final Frontier and the Supermoon is tomorrow, Monday, November 14, when it will be the closest full moon in 68 years. 
The rare astronomical occasion coincides with its closest point to Earth during its monthly elliptical orbit. Experts tell us the Moon can be 30% brighter and appear up to 14% bigger. Oh, and if you miss it, write down the next visit in your diary, as the full Moon won't come this close again until November 2034. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio. Radio hams to help administration during national calamity. Web India 123 News reports radio amateurs in Pondicherry and adjoining districts of Tamil Nadu have offered all help to the district's administration in case of any natural calamity or emergency. Ham radio operators could maintain communication links when conventional means have failed during monsoons. On October 31st, District Collector Satraya Singh Durasat chaired a meeting of ham operators in his chamber as part of the preparations of the northeast monsoon. The meeting decided to enlist their services so as to maintain communication from disaster sites to the control room of the Department of Natural Disaster Management. Assistant Director of Engineering Illaganavan of All India Radio and officials of the Department of Disaster Management participated in this discussion. A total of 20 amateur radio operators attended this meeting and a full write-up at Web India 123's site, which is linked in the text edition. And now special interest groups, low down, the sub 9 kilohertz group. A special event on the 13th on the 630 metre band will commemorate the Berlin Treaty of 1906 that made 500 kilohertz the international distress frequency. US Part 5 experimental licensees and Canadian amateurs will operate in the 472 to 479 kilohertz band. They will also participate in crossband QSOs with amateurs operating on 160, 80 and 40 metres. The Maritime Radio Historical Society will act Activate the KSM slash KPH transmitter in California with special messages and bulletins. And that takes us to the end of the special interest group news. I'm Brian, VK3GR, signing off from Studio 1B in Melbourne. Well, I guess it's about time we got out of here. On the social scene, November 15 in VK3, EMDRCs meet the WIA directors. That's when Andrew and Paul, WIA directors, will be visiting the Eastern and Mountain District Radio Club. For more information, just head to the club's website. November 20 in VK3, Rosebud Radio Fest, tickets on sale at 8am. And November 26 in VK7, Miana Ham Fest. Now, as we leave this broadcast this weekend, is the ideal once-in-a-year opportunity to get Victorian National Parks in your log. Two more days left to go in the annual Keith Roger Memorial National Parks Award activity period with a never-before-all-45 national parks in VK3 on the air. We'll be on the air again next week. I'm Graham, VK4BB. Until then, walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.